Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. Friends, lots to do tonight. We are in Genesis 23, and our goal is to make it through 23 and 24. Of course, you'll notice 24 as close to 70 verses, so we've got to get moving. Huh? I think I am being very optimistic. All right, my friends, uh, remind yourself, Genesis chapter 22 is uh, is right before 23, uh, and that was the offering up of Isaac. Uh, we don't know exactly how old Isaac was there, but we can do some math and figure out how old he is in chapter 23. Notice it begins by saying that Sarah lived 127 years, and it's going to go on and talk about how she died at that point, Isaac was born at 90, so uh, when she was 90, and so uh, he's 37 years old here. So we know that. We don't know 22 necessarily, though. Maybe it's a little bit after that. Maybe it's quite a while after that. But I want to read all of chapter 23, all right? So buckle in, follow along. It says, Now Sarah lived 127 years, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead, and he said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. And Abraham rose, and he bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me for Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me uh, the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. Do a little in there. Uh, It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then, verse 12, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give the price of the field, accepted from me that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered, Abraham, my lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver? What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. So, verse 17, the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Um, to, as a possession in the presence of the Hittites, before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, which is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Okie dokie. So uh, Sarah died. 127 years, that means, how old is Abraham at this time? 47. How many? 40? 147. I think 37. 
I think he's only 10 oh, years he's only older. 10 years old. I'm sorry. I think so. So, uh, you know, they went on the move when Abraham was 75. So they've been on the move now for what, 60 some years or so? Um, that's a long time. And they journeyed together, and Sarah passes, um, sadly. Uh, do you know that she is the only woman in the Bible whose age at death is listed? Mm-hmm. I saw that. That's yes. in the president, doesn't it? How so? You're not supposed to ask a woman that, That's what I think, yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. Anyone who does ends up dead. So, there you go. Um, now, some commentators have said this whole thing with Isaac may have led to her... Uh, I don't death? know how, how much you'd push that, but well, the fact that, you know, they left her in the morning, and I'm sure they're left, and she's like, ah, and then, like, somebody said, what are they doing, and she got upset, and it kind of huh. frazzled her. And she died. how old would Isaac be if she, if, if, if it happened right at the same time? 37. Okay, well. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I've heard that number thrown out there, his, his age, so. Well, you said, I don't know how far you want to take it. You can only take it so far because it doesn't really say, you know, so kind of interesting to consider. But Sarah, she dies. Now, she sojourned uh, from the time she was 65 to this age. So I think if I did the math, that makes her 62 years of sojourning. Um, That's impressive. Walking with the Lord for 62 years in that sense, taking steps of faith, following her husband in that way. Two different places in the Bible set Sarah up as an example of a godly woman. Um, Isaiah 51, it says, Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. That's a, it's a note to the Jewish people about, come on, get your act together. Look to Abraham, look to Sarah. And then also 1 Peter 3 talks about, I'll read it to you, it says, This is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear and anything that is frightening. And so the idea is Sarah being kind of uh, lifted up as an example of what it means to be a person of faith. Did you um, mention Hebrews? And then also in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go to that tonight. Okay. So um, follow her example. Look to her. Uh, not a lot of press about her really in the book of Genesis. You know, she sort of just, it seems like tags along there. But it, it becomes clear that she too is on this journey of faith uh, with her husband. Right? Right. All right. Now, verse 2 says, And she died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So, my friend, we have a map. All right. It's the one with the yellow in it. Oh, you are ready. Oh, my gosh. Look at this guy. This time? Huh? (laughs) We did it last time, and the map was like, what? I hope not. Such a pessimist. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Remember that, guys? Yeah. Okay, so here you go. So you see Hebron there in red. Okay, Hebron is the name that it would end up going by. And so as Moses is writing this, people would know Hebron. And so he says, you know, it happened in Kiriath Arbor. You know, you guys call it Hebron and so on. So you see it there. Notice how its proximity to Jerusalem is just a little bit north. Go ahead. I think we have a one more. Yeah, let's see. There's Jerusalem. That's about 20 miles north of Hebron. On the right there, the blue, that's the Dead Sea. If you look down the next slide, uh, there's Beersheba, well, that whole area. See Beersheba there in the middle? Uh, we just looked at that at the end of chapter, I think it was 22, it talks, or 21 maybe. No, 22, uh, verse 19. Uh, but that whole area down the bottom there is basically deserty type area. There's little, little uh, 
I wouldn't call them cities, but little villages and, and things like that in that area. Um, so that's where we're talking about, and that's where um, it's referenced in verse 2. Okay? And it's all under the control of the Canaanites. Yes, that's right. Um, okay, so Abraham is a sojourner, as it says. Well, Abraham goes in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Um, I thought he was a spiritual person. Why is he crying? Why is he upset? I'll see her again in heaven, right? Shouldn't he get his act together and still no. miss that person? Yeah, are allowed to. Not just that. I mean, it's normal, right? Yeah. yeah. You have to go through your emotions and, yeah. and mourn. Have that time of mourning. Amen, sister. Sometimes when young people are like really in love, right? They go away for a weekend and they cry, right? Yeah. Like these two. Like we do. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you do. The youngest. The youngest. I like the hesitation. So, <laughs> I, I think it's important here. You eliminated that word. <laughs> Mourning is normal. Mourning is natural. Um, you know, Abraham had a faith that he would see Sarah again, as, as we do those that believe and so on. And yet, he nonetheless mourns. And so, that's significant and important. Um, nothing wrong with it. This is the first time weeping and tears are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, yeah. So what do we learn from that? Because if, if you weren't with us, we talked about the importance of something appearing the first time in the Bible and how it sort of sets a pattern for its usage. So is there anything significant about it that we can take from it? So you mention a woman's age and then you weep and tear. Something like that, maybe? Okay. No? Okay, well, anyway, you can file that away, and as you're reading your Bible, maybe one day it'll hit you. Okay. Um, you have something in mind? Well, I was going to look up law of first mention for tears. Cause we, oh, what, we, like Google or something? I wanted to see if it just has something specific for tears, because we know in general it sets the precedent for other things, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's we live quota. Do you have English? More, it just says the more. Yeah, okay. So it's the way. Well, so I guess maybe would it be like the level of morning? Hmm. Well, you know, well, it's only one occurrence. Mm-hmm. That it, term only has one occurrence? In the whole Bible? I didn't know that. Well, I clicked it and it said one occurrence. Usually it tells you it has. Are you sure? Oh. Hmm. That doesn't one, one occurrence for what? For the weeping? word that, that, that Hebrew, Hebrew word is only in the Bible. In the yeah. Old Testament? Because I mean, Jesus wept. Oh, yeah. Jesus wept. Yeah, see, the Jesus wept. Oh, okay. In the, in, in the Hebrew. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, though believers will mourn and should mourn, we mourn differently than perhaps the unbeliever. First Thessalonians says, uh, for we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Mm-hmm. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And so we we anticipate seeing our loved ones. doesn't necessarily make, maybe it does make it easier. I don't know. What do you think? What does it mean? I was going to say, it doesn't necessarily make you know the morning any easier. But it might. It's nice to know you'll see them again. <clears throat> yeah. 
It makes a lot of Which difference. Word okay, good. It makes a huge difference. <laughs> it's still painful. Sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay, yeah. But, but like if you have no hope, if, that's you, right. if you love them, not only have no hope of seeing them, but they're going to be in hell. Considering where they are, I mean that's for eternity. Yeah, that's you know that makes it a lot easier. When you really think about it, you go, "Whoa, terrible!" It's hard to think about it. It's hard to think about it. Yeah. Which word were you? I I missed. I pushed the wrong button on the other thing. Like it was thirty-two occurrences. One hundred and fourteen. Yeah. And then thirty-two for more. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, in case you care, the word Kiriath Arba. It means, (laughs) probably, (laughs) but it means land of the four giants. Mm. How about that? And Hebron means fellowship or association. Um, So something to think about. Uh, Not the first time Hebron has appeared in the Bible either. The first time it appears is when uh, Abraham uh, separated from Lot and Lot went his way, and then he uh, God spoke to him, and then he built an altar there at Hebron. Um, so, or Kiriath Arba, whatever. Okie dokie. All right, moving on, verse 3. Now Abraham rose up from before his dead, and he said to the Hittites, I'm a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me my property among you for a burying place that I may bury de- my dead out of my sight. Now, we don't know exactly how long Abraham has been in Canaan, because remember when he left Ur, we we do have a map of that too. Can you go to that next one there? Um, you see Ur down there in the bottom right corner. When he left that area, he stopped in Haran for a period of time. We don't have the actual numbers of how long that he stayed there, but he eventually picks up and leaves there and goes to Canaan. So we could rightfully assume 50 years maybe that he was in the land of Canaan, and so I think that's significant. If I move to another city temporarily and was there for 50 years then I'm a resident of that city you know what I mean like you've settled in here and so uh, yet he calls himself a sojourner and a foreigner in this land and I I think what's significant is that's how he sees himself as a sojourner and a foreigner in this particular land Um, why would that be significant or important or good or I'm sorry don't we refer to ourselves here as the same thing where you got? I can't answer you. You got to tell me. Hebrews <laughs> eleven. Yeah, we we consider ourselves here on earth as this is not our home. Our home is right. Our home is heaven. So our, our home is with the Lord. Okay. Do you think? Are you thinking of a verse or nothing this in particular? But, I, but Mark just gave me a good cheat, so I don't know. Well, he's gonna go there. Go there. How do you know where I'm going? <laughs> well. Scrolling. No. He's a sojourner and a foreigner. It says this in Hebrews 11. It says, By faith, by faith Abraham went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Why? Because he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, Many of us were familiar with Hebrews 11, you know, looking at all these examples of faith. Then it goes on to kind of summarizes the first 12 verses, and it says this in Hebrews 11, 13. It said, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, 
and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Some versions say pilgrims, I think. That's just fun to think about for Thanksgiving time. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. There's, there's some good truth there, isn't there? The idea of, you know, if you, if they, maybe, let me reword it slightly. If they had set their mind on the land from which they had become, or had come, they would have had opportunity to return. You know what I mean? You just got to kind of put the past in a pass and move on. You know, remember the good old days? Remember those good old days, Paul? I'm not as old as you are. Yes, you uh-huh. are. <laughs> <laughs> and then the promise after that, you got to read the, the second part of that verse. All right. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah. Go ahead. Read Therefore, that. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Mm, good truth. So why is it important to approach life as a sojourner and a foreigner or a pilgrim? Is it important? I would think so. Why? We don't want to be a citizen of the world, per se. I think we want to go through it and honor God while we're going through it, but to identify as a belonging to this could be problematic. Are you... Maybe I'm... So, for instance, Jehovah's Witnesses... They won't stand up to do the Pledge of Allegiance because they're not, they're not pledging their allegiance to anything but God. So yet I stand up, I do the pledge as an American. So what are you saying about citizenship? Are you saying... Well, all right, we want to be a good steward, like I said before, while we're here, but this isn't our priority. I'm not saying that you can't do good things while we're here. <laughs> okay. But, but our priority should be Lord minded and not. So, what does that mean? What's that look like? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? And where is your. Um, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's true. Right. Is there an attachment to worldly things, or is there a looking forward to where we will be spending eternity? Okay, now good. So, I wrote another question down. <laughs> many of us here, maybe, maybe all of us, many of us perhaps own homes. A lot of us have maybe retirement accounts, things like that. How do you useless? <laughs> how do you like put the two together? Of look, I'm just a pilgrim here. Well, yeah. Then what? Why do you have a home? Why don't you remodel that bathroom? Why don't you just get a tent? Live out in the woods. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> What's that? Are you asking if it's a bad thing? To well, have I'm saying if you're really a pilgrim, but I also why are you settled putting down? But I also think the earth was given to us to use and for His good pleasure, and I and I think as stewards of those things, we have to be mindful of. Uh, responsibilities that we have or caring for the church, you know, even to support ministries. I'm caring for our families or, or support ministries or whatever it is that we do. Those things are given to us to care about. Can you go overboard with those things? Yes. 
I'm, my mother-in-law was very giving. Okay, I meant uh, oh. overboard, like, you know, I have my $50,000 car instead of my $20,000 you know, right. 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 Indeed. And First John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's, it's loving the world to the extent of excluding God that the problem is. It's not. Right. There you go. It becomes idolatry. I mean, you got to have a roof over your head. you got to have clothes on your back. Okay, fuck you guys. And it, because we're told, right? What? Anyone who doesn't take care of his own family is worse than an unbeliever. So if you don't, you know, how were that works Sir? I think you know, uh, Abraham was rich. But I think he glorified God, too. Do you know the only property Abraham owned, as far as listed, <clears throat> is this grave? Mm, interesting. Now, what do you say about that? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do you what like about, the I guess with that cattle and stuff, that doesn't count as property. I mean, he owned he a lot of property. He meant real estate. Like real, real estate. estate. But that's estate. still <laughs> worth money that he can. He had a lot of stuff. I'm sorry, Baron. It's all good, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah, what are you going to say about that? Find your own soul. See if Abraham can play the guitar for you. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, <laughs> right, the culture at the time was Bedouin, except for the people mm. that built cities. Mm. What is and that? the only one who went to live in a city out of that group is mm. Lot. Yeah. Look whatever to him. That's true. So cities are bad. At least in that time frame, I, I, I think got it you. Was, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I hear you. Okay. All right, we had a little fun already here, but the idea of being, look, your home is in heaven. It's like torture. So your home is in heaven, so your treasure better be there as well. And then secondly, you know, you could, you know, you can get distracted here on the earth. You know, with all the trinkets or whatever, and you can pour yourself into um, making your stay here very comfortable um, to the point of neglecting, so to speak, your mansion in heaven. Does that make sense what I'm, I'm yeah, saying well, there? Yeah, well, it becomes idolatry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. So don't do that. And Abraham only bought a graveyard, so I can't imagine that he was, you know, having glory in his, in his graveyard that he bought. Mm. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, it was a place of death, right? It wasn't a place of... Mm-hmm. Party. All right. Well, the Hittites. This part of the story is quite fun. You know, he comes in. He says, "Look, I, you know, I'm not one of you guys. I need to buy some land to bury my dead." And uh, notice they say to him, "You're a prince of God among us," or something close to that in our versions here. Um, for our purposes, God's hand of blessing was evident on his life. You know, um, here remember, compare him with Lot. So Abraham goes to speak to as a, an outsider goes to speak to this community and they're like you're a great guy we love you you know whatever you need you know in your time of need remember lot went to speak to the community and they sort of laughed at him and mocked him and didn't listen to him and all that kind of stuff and so you see god's hand of blessing as god said he would do on abraham well, verse 7, And Abraham rose, he bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land, and he said to them, If you're willing that I should bury my dad out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give the cave of Machpelah, which he owns at the end. And then notice, he, he said give, but he didn't mean like, 
you know, he's looking for a handout. Yeah. He said, for the full price, let him give it to me in your presence. And so he names the piece of land that he has in mind. They had offered, you know, they, I guess they had pr monuments and stuff already built for choice uh, graveyards. They had offered that earlier. Um, it says in verse 6, bury your dead in the choice of, choicest of our tombs, they said. Did they really offer it? Well, yeah. not necessarily. No. Yeah. It seems like a... I, uh, it was more like if you go were, ahead. Oh, You're killing me. Yeah. Go ahead. They were yeah. haggling. It was, it was the, first, it's, it's the law first mention of haggling. It's like when you <laughs> offer to pay at a restaurant, and someone someone's like, "Oh, I'll get that," and you're like, "No, no, I can yeah, pay." Right, it. Right. And they're like, "No, no, I got it." It's, yeah. I, it's like, like, "No, I'll get it." <laughs> <laughs> Trying to source Rex's arms. I I couldn't help but think of Uncle Leo. And uh, there's a sign. No, it wasn't Uncle Leo. It was the guy down in Florida who has this pen. And Jerry says, That's a nice pen. And the guy's like, Take it. And he's like, No. And he's like, Take it. And so he finally he pushes him. He said, Okay, I'll take it. And then he's all mad at him for yeah, taking yeah. the pen yeah. or whatever. I kept thinking of that as I'm reading this story. So, anyway, take the choicest of our grave, graves, our tombs. He says, no, uh, you I know, this is, what I, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for uh, Ephron's cave um, down there by Machpelah. He names what he has in mind. Now, Ephron, he's, sit he's sitting there, verse 10, uh, among, remember the city gate? That's the place where sort of business transactions took mm -hmm. place and seat of government and all that stuff. And so he hears his name mentioned. And, you know, he's got to play the game. And he says, no, you have it. I want you to have it. He says three times. He says, I give you the field. I give you the cave that's in it. In the sight of all these people, I give it to you. Bury your dead there. Um, and you think, wow, that's very generous. But actually, the culture is Abraham's supposed to say, no, no, no. How much do you want for it? You know, and they're going to go back. And it's not that unusual. We still, like you said, with, you know, when you go to dinner or something. Mm -hmm. and, no, I'll pay Great! <laughs> hey, you didn't play the game. You know? <laughs> so, but anyway, um, verse twelve. Then Abraham he he says, "Look, give me the price and I'll and I'll pay it." Um, so he refuses to accept the gift. Verse fourteen. Now Ephron he cracks me up. He, he's like, "Come on, what's four hundred dollars between friends?" You know what I mean? So he he names the price. Now Abraham's like, "Great." You said four hundred dollars. That's what you're gonna get. Four hundred bucks. It's shekels. He says here. Um, now, they say I don't know how they know this, but they that he started it probably four times higher than it was actually worth. Um, that you know Abraham's supposed to come back four hundred dollars. What are you nuts? I gave you twenty five. You know, and they're gonna end like a hundred bucks or something. Right. But Abraham's just like you can have four hundred bucks. Let's just stop this thing right now. Like, Wait, um, so. I remember I was in Mexico with Jeff Simpson on a mission trip, and we had a day off, and we went to La Bufadora. You ever been to La Bufadora down there in Ensenada? It's this. Yes. You know it? Well, I've been to, I've been many places in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. They like, they About like La Bufadora, you've been there. Well, I've been to Ensenada. Well, anyway, La yeah. Bufadora is you know it. Yeah. It's like this. To market. No, oh. it's there's like uh, this a, cave thing, oh, okay. a cliff thing, I should say. And the water comes in and it goes out. Mm -hmm. But every now and again, it goes, boom, and it shoots up in the air like 100 feet. And everyone's like, yeah. 
you know, and they cheer or whatever. And then there's a, everyone comes there, so they set up all the markets near there and all that stuff. And so my friend Jeff Simpson, who loves a deal, uh, he's like trying to bargain a guy for a blanket or something like that. And the guy wanted $70 for this blanket, and Jeff's like, that's too much money in Spanish. And, uh, and none of us know Spanish, so we think it was, that's too much money. And the guy's, he brings it all the way down to like $6. And, and now I'm mad because I'm like, you wanted 70 and now you want six? I'm offended. I'm leaving. But that's a custom, you know? that's custom there. They, yes. The haggling, yeah. But I don't like it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it's rude. I'm like, you went from 70 to six? You were trying to rip me off. Yeah. You get insulted if you don't do that. I know. That's yeah. what Jeff In told me. Quaker Bridge Mall, there's a stand where they sell all the products from Israel, like, the, like bath salts and stuff. Sure. And they, you know, they come up to you. It was the same thing. Like she was asking some ridiculous price, and I was just, she's yeah, like, I said, I'll give you $20. She was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, she got a sale. Well, anyway, my friend Jeff, we got him from all the way down to six, mm -hmm. and Jeff kept pushing for five. And I was like, Jeff, just buy it. And he, yeah. 30 minutes. And I'm like, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> we can go home, you know, or whatever. And so they were probably really mad at, poor, at Abraham here, or they laughed at him. Because he said, that's good, that's fine, mm -hmm. I'll pay you $400. Well, they've, they've taken advantage of his need to bury her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. so, yeah. I mean, that's pretty typical nowadays, too. Mm -hmm. mm. That's why if you can, pay for your burial now. So you don't <laughs> have away. to worry about it when everybody's upset. <laughs> right. Or you could do that, too. All right, verse 17. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was east of Mamre, uh, the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout the whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession. Um, and so he buried Sarah, his wife, there. Now this cave will be mentioned again and again throughout the book of Genesis. Um, so in chapter 25, Abraham will be buried there. Sarah is buried here. In chapter 35, Isaac will be buried there. And then there's sort of a catch-all verse in Genesis 49:31, it says this, referring to this cave, it says, And there they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. Mm -hmm. And Jacob said, And there I buried Leah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and, and Jacob would be buried there as well. Um, so, all of those people that were buried there. How about that? Mm. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, kind of fun. Not fun, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a burial plot. Yes, it's great. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. You have yours in Pennsylvania? Yeah, upstate Pennsylvania, oh, where my family's from. Oh, I should probably look in. Oh, didn't Joseph's bones get brought back? I had mine when I was like 15. Or we aren't sure where you got buried. They were supposed to be. That's what he said. Take them back and bury them in the promised land. I don't know if he said this case, though. Yeah, I don't know that. But he would have been the only other patriarch. Yeah, the only son of the only son, one of the twelve. Son, he would have been the only one that got buried in this promised land because they all died in that. Right. In Egypt. Yeah. Well, we do know his bones were carried, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Are you guys ready to take a shot at chapter twenty-four? Sure. All right. Let's read the opening nine verses. Now Abraham was old well advanced in years. He was like Jim's age. And the, Lord had, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, like Jim. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, 
who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, we'll talk about it, the God of heaven and the God of all the earth, that you may not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife from my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps a woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give you this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Verse 8, But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from the oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Is that four times he said it? So the servant puts his hand, put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Okay? Glad we shake hands these days. Yeah, yeah, a little better. (laughs) Now, does anybody have a version where instead of saying, put your hand under my thigh, it says something like, hand me your sandal or something? No. No? Okay, so there's another place in the Bible, I didn't really have time today to dig into it, where... So the idea of put your hand under my thigh, it's sort of like shake on it. Right? That's what Baron pointed out. There's another place in the Bible where they exchanged sandals or something oh, right, like that. Right. I don't remember where exactly. Yeah. Um, but as you're reading, you'll find it. Like, hey, there it is, the sandal exchange yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So here, uh, let's go back. Verse 1, Abraham was old, well advanced in years. How old was Abraham? 137. Mm, at least. Or 138, maybe at this point, right? <clears throat> Uh, you're in the ballpark. Ish, yeah. yeah. Well, at the end of the story, if you haven't read this, Isaac's going to get married. And it says in chapter 25, verse 20, that Isaac was 40 when he married uh-huh. Rebecca. And we know that Abraham was 100. Mm-hmm. 140. 140. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, so, because he lived 175. Sorry. So he's 140 years old. It seems as if he's thinking. I'm going to die. All right, my wife just died. I'm older than she was. I'm going to die here. He actually doesn't die for another 20, 35 years. He dies at 175. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, he calls his, uh, his servant, um, and he says, I want you to go back to where I came from and find a wife for my son. Okay. I like that story. It's a nice story. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Notice it also, it says, And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, just as God said that he would do. Um, and so now his life is, you know, has been played out a little bit, and you can sort of see those blessings in his life, um, God having fulfilled his promises. Uh, I, I think this is significant that, uh, you know, when, when God called Abraham, 75 years old, you think he was pretty settled in life a little bit? I think he was. Think about it. Seventy-five years old. You probably have a little home, got a little farm going. You know, you worked hard. You cleared the trees. You did this. You did that. Whatever. And so we see, you know, Matthew six thirty-three. What's that say? Forget. Something about seeking first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Yes, Judy knew it. She didn't want to say all that. In the back row, you know. Whatever. But. You know, his life is an example of that. He sought first the kingdom of God. God put the call. You know, there are, I'm sure, that there are a lot of people 
that God sort of extends a call to, and they say, you know what, you got some gifts, I, I'd like to use you. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I got this, this bill or that bill. There's a great book I read, Max, no, no, excuse me, Henry Blackaby, and it was called The Man God Uses. And one of the chapters was, the man God uses is dead free. Um, he uses non-dead free people too, um, but, because I, hopefully I'm one of them, um, I have some debts. But anyway, his point is, when called, you can go. You know, but, oh, I got this bill and that bill and this thing and that thing, and, you know, I'll get to you, Lord, whatever it may be. Uh, and so, you know, there are a lot of folks where it's like, you know what, I'm really settled in, I'm comfortable, I don't want to go. You know, and so Abraham, he did. He picked up, he left, he went, and now you see God's blessing on him. So I have a question. Okay. So if you either, you know, are one of these people, well, I'm too comfortable, or I don't want to right now, or if you're just ignorant at the time. I mean, I have my own answer to this, but I'm curious what you would say. Like, do you think God doesn't, I mean, God still has that intention for you, yes? Or does he change it? I don't know what we're asking. Um, so God put a call, but so you were yeah. ignorant. What do you mean by ignorant? Well, like, so, so if you don't, if you don't know any better, if you're, you know, okay. not saved, or right, okay. you know, if we, because if we have a purpose for our life and we don't take action on it at that point, right at the jumping off point, do we circle back around to it at some point if we end up walking with the Lord? Does He circle huh. us back around? And you have an answer. You said you have an well, answer. Well, uh, for me, I feel like God resets my GPS. Yeah, we th we, I think we talked about that. We did, yeah, but I was just yeah. curious. What, if, well, what does if, everybody else think? I'm all, I just want to know if I'm right or wrong. I don't know if it's a clear answer from my yeah. side. I, I think that there are, there are calls. I mean, I think there are things that we miss just because of timing. And right, stuff. right. Yeah. And I think that the, then there's other calls that, that are mm -hmm. lengthy. Mm -hmm. over our lives like I'd like to think that God will not waste a life you know what I mean like mm -hmm. we can waste our lives mm -hmm. but we get do we get more than one or two chances do we get that or if you're saved and it's like well you missed that I mean obviously there's some things you miss you can't make up for it, but it's like if there's a purpose mm -hmm. I'm thinking. yeah I'm trying to think of some examples in the scripture. And it's rhetorical. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm always interested in it because I'm always, you know, obviously I'm, I'm well, I guess older, I'm thinking so of it's not like I'm 20 and I have my whole life in front of me to do, you know what I mean? So I'm, there are I things you. I can't do that I would have done at 20. Well, I'm thinking of Pharaoh. Now, he wasn't being called to ministry, mm. but he was being given an opportunity to respond. Mm. And he was, he has continued to be given these opportunities and then finally you know what buddy and his heart was hardened right. over the Lord hardened his heart. okay so even Pharaoh if Pharaoh then I have a good I have a decent chance well I think this I think the problem with Pharaoh was we have other descriptions of what was going on with him in Romans 9 Romans 11 God raised him up for that purpose right. to display his power so he's kind of an odd case yeah. And the same thing with Judas, you can't bring him into it because right. he was already. Yeah. I was thinking. Him but too. but Paul, I mean, I'm sure Paul was looking back at his oh, life. Yeah, because yeah, he was. Older. He wasn't even just not on the path. He was fighting against yeah. God. 
and a god took head and knocked him down. And when yeah. he and I'm sure he heard the gospel. Well, he was there with Stephen, just being yeah. stoned. Right, so he, he was yeah. holding his coat, right? He was hearing all the people that were throwing the stone. Yeah. How old was Paul when he had that experience on the road to Damascus? I don't think it says. But if he was, he was a member the of the Sanhedrin, at least 30, you know, so. Okay. So it could have been 10 years. So he wasn't a 20 years, kid. 15 years, 20 years that he had, that, you know, he had been hearing the gospel. Yeah. Even from the people that he was throwing in jail. You know what I was thinking of also is Peter. <clears throat> so, well, there you, go. you know, after, you know, Peter fell or whatever, and, mm. and then the Lord restores him. But, you know, there's this, Peter goes back fishing. Mm. Um, and maybe I'm reading into it a little, but the Lord's like, what are you doing out here? Mm. You know, I'm fishing, kind of thing. And restores him to that place, like, so the, reset his mm. GPS kind of mm -hmm. thing. So. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. I'm just... You know, it's it's my own reflection about because we we think a lot about you know kids in, in their twenties and teens and like you know get your life started and it's like well I didn't have that so should I just go like well I don't have no. a chance you know, no you, definitely okay. not okay I would say definitely okay. not yeah. and you know what Lord you I, there I'll give you another one who's the fella Samson is that him who breaks the pillars mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, he did what he made very big. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying God still he used him even at the yes, end. Yes, he did. More yeah. yeah. in his death than in his life. He right? yeah. Well, I think, you, I think if you would talk to, I mean, a lot of Christians' testimonies are, I wish I got saved sooner. Yeah. I think it, but obviously God has a time. Yeah. When you were, you know, you can fight it all you want, but at some point you're going to lose to the, to his calling. I think if you think of Romans eight twenty eight, right, where God uses mm -hmm. all things, I mean, to those who love him and uncall according to his purpose, I mean, so there's choices that I think, I'm, certainly that I've made in my lifetime that wasn't the path that God had for me at that time, but now it's like, okay, we'll take that, and we're going to use that, and we're going to, you know, now that I'm following the Lord, or that... That is like something, okay, we're going to make a positive out of that and we're going to use it for, for good, you know. Right, and I'm not saying like we get to be free of consequences because obviously there are things you can't undo mm -hmm. and things you can't change. But, um, yeah. yeah, but I don't know if that's like when you say everybody because, I mean, there's certainly people that, that when never... When I say everybody with what? Well, I mean, like, I don't think that... Um, at some point, yeah, I mean, if you don't... At some point, there's people that never turn to the Lord, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm not talking about the uns unbelievers. All right. Well, we're on verse 2. <laughs> we're trying to get to 67, okay. so we'll move on. Sorry. It says, Now Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, as we said, put your hand under my thigh. So, uh, as I said, it seems Abraham uh, is anticipating that he's going to die. So he sends his servant to, to get this job done. You know, it, it's almost as if he's like, look, I may not be here, but I want you to swear to me that you're going to get, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we talked about put your hand under my thigh. There was a confirming of an oath or a pledge, like shaking hands. Um, and then he's going to go back. So we have that map there. Now, um, it doesn't, he says, go back to my country or, or something like that. Um, his country is Ur. Uh, so can you flip over to that guy? One more. All right, so down in that area is where his country is. Now, 
is he talking about Haran, the other one there, where he stopped off for a little while? I don't necessarily know. You may recall when we were looking at that, Jay postulated this idea that Abraham was bringing Lot because Lot's dad had died and he was going to drop him off in Haran to stay with other family members because he has a relative named Haran. And, and I thought that was really interesting. So who knows exactly where Abraham is sending his servant, but it's in that area over there, that area of the Mesopotamia. Did they go that direction because they were following the river and that just makes sense? Because is that all desert if you go yeah. to... Okay, yeah. I was wondering. So that area is like the Fertile Crescent? Yeah. You don't think you want to... Oh, I don't that's what think they call you the Fertile Crescent? Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. You don't want to go wander through the desert. Right. Um, all right, well, we move on. Verse 5, the servant said, well, what if she won't come with me? And again, I, I pointed out while we were reading it, you know, <laughs> you must not take my son back there. You must not take my son back there. There's no account in the Bible of Lot, excuse me, of uh, Isaac ever leaving the promised land. Um, like we know that Jacob, you know, they went down to Egypt and all that kind of stuff. A um, yeah, Abraham went down there and so on. Um, so do it that way you want. All right, verse 10. Do you got thoughts down there? No? All right. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels. That's a lot. Seems like overkill, but we'll see and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Did I put that up there? <coughs> no, I, maybe I didn't uh, necessarily. Uh, we don't know where Nahor is. Alrighty? Um, I don't know. So, it could be, it could be worded this way. Like, Go back to Paul City, or the name of the city could be Paul. Like you, you know what I mean? Like so, the name of the city could be Nahor, and we should be able to find it on a map. Or it could be Nahor City, and that's why it's not on a map because it's really called Buffalo or something. You know what I mean? So, so anyway, we don't know exactly where Nahor is, but it's got to be over in that area there because that's what it's referring to. Um, so he. He went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor, verse 11. He made the camels kneel down uh, outside the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, the time when women go out to draw the water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing. What a great servant. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the, of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. That's why he has. Oh, that's nice. Why does he have 10 camels? Well, I think it's, I mean, big difference between drawing water for 10 camels and two. I mean, that shows the level of her kindness. Oh, okay. That she was willing to so you think he brought 10 for this little test? I don't know, maybe. Okay, maybe so. Camels drink a lot, too. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. Well, verse 61 tells us that it's not just Rebecca who's going to go back with him, but her servants as well. Yeah. Uh, and that I think it says something like, and they all... Oh, they so all they got on the, the camels, so that. apparently he's planning ahead. It may also be well, a demonstration it. of my master's wealth. Yeah. You know, here oh, we come. Yeah, in this big thing. Didn't he put something? 
gave her something. Too, yeah, right? he, he probably had jewels. And yeah, he had all his gifts. Well, it said in verse, somewhere in verse 5, it says, all sorts of choice gifts from my master. All righty, so he comes into town. He goes to Nahor, uh, as we said. Verse 11, he makes the camels kneel down outside the city because the women come out there to draw wim uh, water. And I put... This is a funny place to pick up chicks, uh, <laughs> but that's where he's the going water to. Hole, right? Yeah, that's right. Verse twelve. Then he he sort of puts this fleece of sorts out. Um, do you understand what I mean when I say this fleece? There's a story in the Bible where the guy right. is trying to figure out God's will, so he puts out a fleece, and if it's wet, then I'll know you won. And he said, "Well, let's let's do it the other way, Lord. If the ground's wet, but it's not, then I'll know, and mm -hmm. and so on." So he kind of puts out this fleece um, by saying please grant me success today and then sort of laying out like a specific thing that he would be looking for mm -hmm. what I appreciate about this is here's a guy that was sent to do ministry mm -hmm. so to speak and he's not conniving he's not scheming he's seeking the Lord he's trusting the Lord to accomplish his purposes and sort of making himself available for that and, mm -hmm. and so I admire that about him and he's really asking God Lord God do something providential that I'll know it's you mm -hmm. that is doing it now I do think we need to be careful with those sorts of things mm -hmm. because we tend to do this Lord if you want if you want this to happen mm -hmm. cause the red light to turn green you know what I mean You're like, yeah. uh, it did after two minutes yeah. you know so I will I guess he wants me to go to Hawaii yeah. or something <laughs> yeah. well, okay um so, and sometimes we ignore things until we get the answer we want. So, you know, you do have to be careful um, in that. But he does create a clear sign. He doesn't manipulate things. He doesn't show off his wealth and wealth, I mean, and say like, hey, you know, anybody want to help me? I got lots of women. And then like, ah, she helped or whatever. Well, wasn't the custom of the day too? I mean, if there were men at the well, women weren't even supposed to go to the well. Right. So he was... He was basically setting God up to have her go outside her custom yes, her comfort zone. Comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a clear to do, sign to do a good deed. Right. Yeah. But that was the right one. Yep. And it is a very the good deed. The light's always going to change, red or green. That's right. This this usually probably shouldn't have happened. That's right. So, this is interesting. He says, "Hey, please give me a drink." Yes. It's a word that basically means give me a sip of right. water. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she's supposed to come back and, and says, I'll give you like a glass of water and I'll water your camels. Somebody pointed out, camels can drink up to 20 gallons of water at a time and they store up their water. It was like something okay. over 30 or 40 trips. So that's four or five gallon buckets yeah. each. Yeah. Yep, for mm -hmm. 10 camels. Yes. So what, 200 gallons of water so she's going to draw. He just asked for a sip and she said yes and I'll do your, and so that was like above and beyond. Well, because that's what he prayed exactly what well, I know, yeah. that's why I love the story. <laughs> he he appreciated her kindness. Would he, this, got, he got it. Do you think this type of a lady would make a good wife? Yeah. <laughs> strong wife. Yes, definitely. <laughs> strong like boo. Yeah. Okay, so strong. No, uh, I'm thinking no, just, just caring, good thoughtful, just very good giving, heart, thoughtful, caring, thoughtful, yeah. giving, yes. a servant, yes. mm -hmm. um, going out of her way yes. to minister to others. Considerate. Yeah. Um, now, kind of the Yeah. Yeah. Now, if he would have said, "Lord, you know, the, if if the woman that you won for my master, if she comes out 
cause uh, like a flashing halo to appear above her head. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, those things don't happen. You know what I mean? Like no. that's stupid. Um, <laughs> this is a normal thing yeah. that could occur, but it's abnormal. Right? You know what I mean? It, yes. It's remarkable, certainly. It's a revealing of her heart. Amen. Yeah. Alrighty. And he says, by this I shall know. By the fact that she's a giving, kind, caring servant, shall I know. That's a good woman to find. Alrighty. Um, unfortunately, what do most people look for in a wife? Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe that. That's why I don't date all kinds of stuff, right? But not like right. characters sort of like, yeah, I hope she's not yeah. nice, you know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. I would recommend you should put that at the top of the list. Yes. I think I've said this before, and I don't mean any disrespect, Today's but it's not a lot of like hot 90-year-old ladies, right? right? Am I correct? I don't know. All right. You have to ask some what hot 90-year-old guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked the lady in front of me. And so you better like her for more than just looks, That's because right. looks fade away. Um, as correct. do men's looks or man right. looks. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. You're not supposed to say amen that one. Although Abraham marries another woman. Yeah. He does. 140 whatever. All right, don't ruin the story. All right, moving on. <laughs> Verse 15. Now, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milko, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jar on her shoulder. Now, we were briefly introduced to her at the end of like chapter head. 22, I guess? Uh, 22. Remember, there's that little teeny um, genealogy there? Mm -hmm. And that was the reason, I think, why it was there, among other reasons. At least one of the reasons is because we're going to be talking about Rebecca. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, this relative of Abraham, she comes out uh, with her jar on her shoulder, now, verse 16, it says, The young woman was very attractive in appearance. She was a maiden in whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar, and she came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. Remember, a sip. And she said, Guzzle it down, my lord. And she quickly let her jar down uh, upon her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they finish drinking. And he's probably thinking, great, googly muggly. And he's excited. Um, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, and she ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all of his camels, 10 of them, 20 gallons each. And the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. All right, so let's go back. Before he had finished his prayer, God starts answering his prayer. Um, and so we see the Lord's hand. It just so happens, coincidence, that as he's praying, the niece of Abraham comes out to fetch water. And so we see the Lord's hand there. Verse 16, it just so happens that this niece of Abraham that comes out happens to be an unmarried woman. Um, it just so happens we see the Lord's hand. Um, now, I find it interesting he says, please give me a sip of water. Mm -hmm. And remember, he put this little fleece thing out there. She says, you could have a big gulp of water. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to your camels as well, mm -hmm. feed them. Now, why doesn't he stop her there and say, you don't even have to. You're, my aunt, you're the answer to my prayers. Are your mom and dad here? I'd like to propose something to them. Well, you can't, right? Why can't he? Well, he's got to go talk to daddy. 
Okay. He, he does put the bracelet on her, though, later. He does. Yeah. And so I think he's just given time for her to actually complete what she said. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, sing it, sick brother. Think. Versus, like, just kind of, like, lip service. Yes, exactly. Here's yeah, a gallon she was of water sincere yeah. with her for your animals. Yeah, see if she can actually come through with what she's saying. I wrote down a servant's talk versus a servant's walk. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so he allows her faithfulness and character to play itself out. Yeah. I think that's right on the mark there. And then she'd be too tired to run away when he finally said something. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> She's putting her money where but her mouth is. I, I think it is good. I, I think it is good for you to be busy about the work of the Lord mm -hmm. and glance around and some others that may be busy about the work of the Lord as well, um, as far as finding a mate, that kind of thing. Uh, and so here she is. She's busy about doing the work. He sees her faithfulness on display. Um, and then he says, verse 21, it says, The man gazed at her in silence. She's probably like, I creeper. Take your eyes off, or you can help, or whatever. Um, or maybe she just kind of was like, "Well, I offered. I'm doing it." And yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I was teasing. But um, but he says, wondering if the Lord had prospered his journey or not. And I, I wrote, it sure seems like he is. You know what I mean? But and Everything. so he's being reflective, which is nice too. So he's not just jumping on that mm. what he sees. Yeah. Yeah. He's always seeking the Lord. Well, the camels had finished drinking. The man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel. Some nose versions, ring. Some versions say nose ring. Others just say gold ring. Ugh. I don't like the pain of a nose ring. I it sounds it. horrible. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, some people like it. I, if I get bumped in the nose, it's like, oh, it hurts. You know, yeah. So I can't imagine piercing it. But anyway, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night, me and my ten camels? And she said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. And the man bowed his head and he worshipped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Mm -hmm. And the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Mm -hmm. All right, she so was in a polytheistic household. So I know. Be very... Yeah, so remember, Abraham, you know, in this kind of hit me today. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, well, the relative of Abraham must be a nice Christian family or something, you know, or Jewish family. Whatever. But the reality is, remember, Abraham was called out of that land oh, yeah. because they were polytheist. Right. Um, there's no reason to think they are not Anything polytheist any longer. Nowhere in the rest of the chapter are they sort of reciprocating and saying, yes, praise the Lord, or, or right. anything right. like that. You know, right. So there's no indication that they're believers now. Why would they be? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're 100, whatever, 900 miles away, 700 miles away, I think it was 600 miles away. Mm -hmm. We said, and so we'll just keep calling numbers out until we hit a number. Whatever, <laughs> they're really far away. Um, so, did you want to comment? Well, no, I, I say, interrupted so you. So it must have been kind of weird. She says who she is, and then this guy falls down on his knees and starts worshiping. Yeah. You know, totally ignoring. You know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna address the Lord now. Okay, I got the right information, and just and her being in that. But maybe maybe it's, maybe it was common then. Now, did your version say he fell on his knees? 
Uh, Verse 26. Bow down. He said, and worship the Lord. Yeah. So I was kind of oh, wondering. I was wondering if this is like a, a real public thing or if he yeah, was just much like his like his prayer was in himself or something or another. Well, he doesn't seem to be addressing her, though, even no? when he says. Right. I agree. Right. So, who knows? But, gold nose ring, um, two bracelets. Uh, it could be a symbol of, like, the pledge, like, mm-hmm. you know, like an engagement ring kind of thing. Or it might just simply be, hey, you know what, let me give a gift to you, you were yeah. so kind to me kind of thing. Um, I don't know for certain. Uh, anybody think for certain one way or the other? I just, I personally just think they were gifts from what I've, I mean, I haven't read anything that indicates that it's a, a pledge yet, because remember she goes and she's like, oh, it's, it's like she doesn't really find out yeah. until later. That's what I thought. All right, so he said, so whose family are you from? And she says, I'm the daughter of Bethuel. And I wrote down, he's probably thinking, of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're exactly the person I'm looking for. And then she adds, we have plenty of both straw and fodder. You just see her servant's heart. I know, that's what I love. It's like he asked if there was a place for them to stay, but she also included feeding the camels as well, not just giving them a place to crash. I also pointed out to myself, um, freely given, freely you give, you know, that that phrase there. Do you know that some of the most uh, statistically, percentage-wise, generous people in giving are folks of lower income? Yes. Um, You know, so you got millions of dollars or not even hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever, yeah, I give a lot of money. I give the last year, I give ten thousand dollars. You know, okay, that's pretty impressive. Whatever, that's two percent of your income. Good for you, or whatever. But a folks who don't make a lot of money statistically tend to give more and more of that that's away. The woman who gave know. the two coins. Yeah, that's right. And so here is a lady. Um, she's got plenty, yet it doesn't have a hold of her. And so she's like, you know what? Take it. We got plenty. We more than enough. And I appreciate that about it. That's unusual is the point I was bringing up about the statistics. Kindergarten, she learned how to share. Yes, exactly. 26, the man bowed his head. He worshiped the Lord. Oh, boy, we got to go. And said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who's not forsaken his steadfast love. You know, here I, I wrote, just don't forget to give thanks. Don't forget to acknowledge where God's good gifts come from. Um, you know, how easy it is for a guy like this servant to fall into the trap of saying, I am a good servant. I'm a detective servant. You know, I should start my own ministry. Brides are us or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all these things. And and yet he's very clearly um, giving God the praise that is due. Um, So she runs home, tells her mom and all the rest. Verse 29, now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring and as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arm and heard the words of Rebecca's sister, Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Mm. No, there's the word Lord. Interesting. Anyway, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house, unharnessed the camels, gave straw, and so on, water to wash his feet. Then food was set before them to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And Laban said, Speak on. Now, I initially wondered if perhaps 
Rebecca's dad was dead and Laban was taking on the responsibility, it seems he's in charge here, but towards the end of the chapter, it says, and Laban and Bethuel, you know, blah, 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 together. So he's still alive, but for whatever reason, he's not involved in, in this as much as his son Laban is. Um, so looking at Laban, we know some things about Laban mm-hmm. later on in the Bible. Yeah. So if you haven't read past this chapter, you may not know. Yeah. Good guy? Yeah. That's He's a dirty, rotten scoundrel. That's <laughs> choices. Well, you got to deal with a dirty, rotten scoundrel sometimes. That's true, too. Yeah. That's right. So, he had to do what he had to do to make deals. <laughs> we have a guy that says that. He's running for president. But we see he's not a guy of character. We see that he's a guy easily swayed by money or the opportunity for profit or whatever it takes to make a profit. So, he sees, it, I, I find it interesting, it says when he saw the bracelets and he saw the rings, yeah, he gets all excited, you know what I mean? Like, who's yeah. out there? You know, all right. Hey, Chance to make some money. cash. Yeah. Alrighty, and so, um, you know, they go out, they have their conversation. He said, City, you know, that's, he said, no, I want to tell you why I'm here, um, the servant says. And then in verse 34, he starts telling him, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. Now, they probably know the name Abraham, but remember, 50 years, maybe, you know, since uh, that. He's given them flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. And my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughter of the Canaanites, but you shall go to my father's house. And so I said, and, and we read this story, but he's, he's going back over it again. Well, what if they won't come with me? Don't worry. The Lord's going to prosper your efforts, even if they don't. Or if they don't, you're free from the oath. You can come back here. Just don't take my son out there. And so on and so forth. I'm, I'm paraphrasing for time. Um, verse 34, he says, I am Abraham's servant. Um, as I said, 65 years maybe since he left. The Lord is greatly blessed. Um, no no way of knowing if they knew the Lord or not. Um, though you do have that verse I just mentioned and pointed out where he said that, but there's no way of knowing. Um, but Ab- Abraham, his life is now a testimony that the Lord that, Abraham, that called Abraham was faithful to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's kind of fun. You see that there. Um, and I remember... When Abraham and Sarah left, how many kids did they bring with them? Zero. Zero. All right, now, Sarah was 65. Let's just assume, you know, they got married at 25. Right? Is that fair? All right, so 40 years she had been barren. And, you know, and Abraham comes to the crowd. He says, we're leaving. You know, God, a, the true God came, spoke to me. He's going to bring us to a land. He's going to bless us. And we're going to, many nations, you know, all this kind of whatever the, the phrase was exactly then, mm-hmm. you know, but she was barren or less. I, I have to think people thought he was crazy mm-hmm. you know, and, and nuts or whatever. And now he's coming back and the servant essentially now is pointing to Sarah as a testimony of God's faithfulness. So Abraham, God blessed him. Sarah, she had a baby. All these testimonies of God's faithfulness. Um, did I read 37? Yeah. And so he says, and this is how I got here and how I'm sitting here in front of you. All right, 42. I came today to the spring and I said, Lord, 
we kind of know this story. If if now you're prospering my way, have someone come to me. I'll ask for a drink. They'll feed my camels. Um, and verse 45, before I'd finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar, and she said, let me give your camels a drink also. And so we all drank. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she told me she was from this family here. So I gave her a ring, and I gave her bracelets. And I bowed my head, and I gave thanks to the Lord. That's verse 48. I'm paraphrasing verse 49. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Yep, and we'll come back. No, we can't do that. That's what we were doing for our TV, though. Verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. And let her be the wife of your master's son. So the thing has come from the Lord. Does that mean they have a relationship with the Lord? It doesn't have to mean that. He could just be one of many, many gods. Um, but it's pretty hard to argue that something's not going on here. And they're like, whoa, this is amazing. And so they said, take her. Um, and then notice verse 52. Once again, he bows himself to the earth before the Lord. He, he gives thanks again. God, you prospered my ways. Uh, he really loves his master. Yeah. He could have went back and said, I gave a shot. Nobody ever was interested. <laughs> you know, but he's really excited he's for his master. Verse 53, the servant brought out jewelry and gold and garments. And Laban probably got very excited now. Um, gave them first to Rebecca, but he also gave it to Laban and to her mother, costly ornaments. Um, you know, this idea of it, it was customary to provide a dowry. Um, and different cultures do it differently. In yeah. some cultures, the wife's family has to pay the husband's family, you know, because you're taking on the burden of this lady. And then in other cultures, they have to pay the wife's family as sort of a demonstration of, look, we got plenty of money, your daughter's gonna be fine with us. You know, that's, that's basically what's going on here. Verse 54, he and the men who were with him ate and drank, they spent the night there. Notice this one, the morning arises, he says, all right, you know, walk me to the edge of town, and they're like, no, stay another 10 days. Yeah. Um, there's a note in some manuscripts, not manuscripts, uh, Bibles that says, it says, um, stay with us another 10. Yep. And that it could be months. You, know, you want me to stay here another year? You're like, no, yeah. I'm out of here, pal. That's you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, it seems, I don't know what's going on here. Some kind of, maybe they want to spend, mm. I don't know, who knows? Mm. They just want to stall mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, Get more stuff. More stuff. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like, well, it comes around next time around too. Yeah. What do you mean? With uh, Jacob. Yeah. Did he come back there? You have to work. Yeah. Work. Yep, 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 yep. Work. Very good. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to for 14 years, so I guess they get their 10 years plus a little. Mm -hmm. yeah. Milk it as long as you can. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Or maybe the mom might miss having her girl go that quickly. Maybe she needed a few more days to. I don't know. I'd like to think the good part of that. Yes, you're very nice. <laughs> 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 Certainly. But anyway, he said, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go. They said, well, let's let's ask the young woman. So they call Rebecca and she says, they said, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. All right. So do not delay me. So I think there's a picture here. You know, so God's work, there's a calling. You go out to do God's work. And the world is, first, I think the world wants to dissuade us from responding to the call. Mm. And if it can't do that, then it will delay us from answering the call. So to put off what God wants you to do 
put it, you'll have time. You know, you'll be retired soon enough. Uh, yeah, but that's 10 years. I got 10 years I could do the work of the Lord, or eight years, or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. So you, you're busy about it, but the world wants to delay that. But I love Rebecca. She says, I will go. Yeah. Now, she ever met Isaac? No, no. And, and that's what I think is so amazing. She's so trusting. Mm-hmm. She does. Ha- she has no clue what this guy is going to be like. Just because he got gifts doesn't mean he's a nice guy, right? Or going to be a good husband. So I mean, just the fact that she and she didn't relent. It's like, yep, yes. let's go. She is doing what Abraham and Sarah did. Yep. Fifty some years earlier, she's going out in faith. She reminds me of Ruth. Um, when. Naomi's like, you stay here. And she says, and I love it in the King James. It says, uh, whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, your God my God. You know, and uh, that's what she's saying. And it tells me my people. Sorry. We're going to make you a promise and offer you can't All right, 59. So they went away. Uh, Rebecca, their sister, uh, she left and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, look at this blessing, what a neat blessing. Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate them. Um, so that's quite a dark What's that? May you, may you rule over the gate of your enemies, the same thing as we did last week. What do you mean? I'm not sure. There was a blessing there, may your... Last week... Yeah, last week. I'm pretty sure it was last week. Who announced the blessing? Um, and your offspring shall... Verse 17. Yeah. That was God speaking to Abraham again. Yeah. How'd they know how to bless like that? I don't know, but it's quite a blessing. Um, 61, then Rebecca and her young women... They arose, they rode on the camels, they followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Now verse 62. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Laharoy. He was dwelling in the Negev. That's what today would be southern Israel. And then, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field or to pray in the field toward evening. He lifted his eyes and he saw that behold, camels were coming. And Rebecca lifted her eyes and looked the other direction. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted the camel and she said to the servant, Who's that guy walking in the field to meet us? And he said, that's your husband. It's my master. So she took her veil and she covered herself. And that was a sign of modesty and modesty, submission. Yeah. Um, so she's going to go meet her husband with modesty mm-hmm. and submission. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Wow. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so three years of mourning, um, because they don't get married till he's 40, and she died when he was 37. So three years of mourning, and he's comforted now by this woman. Um, there's a neat picture that you can meditate on, think about here. Of Remember we talked about Isaac last week, um, was sacrificed in the sense. Uh, and then the very next story we have, really, remember at the closing verses there, we're introduced to his, his bride, which is Rebecca, um, the father, sends the servant there's pretty good evidence that the servant's name was Eleazar mm-hmm. Eleazar means I think comforter. it means comforter which is what we call the Holy Spirit he's the comforter so the father sends the Holy Spirit to get a bride for his son we are the bride the church is the bride um, 
and all of that kind of fun stuff. So you can think about that. We're way over time. I appreciate you guys very much. Let's pray. Thank you. Father, thank you for uh, a sweet story. Mm -hmm. Lord, as we just see you um, drawing Rebecca to yourself and, Lord, her hearing and responding to the call. Lord, I thank you for Eleazar, just a faithful servant, and, Lord, an example to us. Lord, we thank you for your providence in all these things. Lord, the way that Eleazar could sort of just lay it before you and trust you to accomplish it and then not manipulate or scheme or anything like that and then watch your hand move and, uh, and Lord, uh, just your faithfulness to your servant Abraham. And so, Lord, uh, maybe not as dramatic as this account, but these circumstances occur in our lives all the time, Lord. Your hand is moving and you're working and you're accomplishing your purposes. And, and so, Lord, we want to have hearts that are open and ready, um, hearts that are in tune with what you're doing, Lord, so that your will might be accomplished in our lives as well. And so, thank you, Lord, for your word. What a pleasure to do. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.